everyone, and welcome back to Purple Nuna Podcast. It's been too long. It has been too long. And right now, here in this moment, I have with me the Eugene to my Franz Biberkoff, Savannah Linelsay. Guten Tag. Guten Tag. We're switching to German this week. Ooh. Yummy, yummy. <laughs> I don't know why yummy, yummy came to my mind. <laughs> How are you, Savannah? I'm good. It's been forever. And I do mean forever. Fine. It's been more than Not a month. <laughs> I know. It, 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 I was uh, sharing a link to our podcast, and I saw that the last episode we posted was three weeks ago. And I'm like, failures. We are failures as content creators. But not anymore, because we're back. Back on schedule. <laughs> Forgive us for our absence. Yeah, it took three weeks for me to realize, hey, maybe I shouldn't try scheduling right before my exams. So all right. I lived and I learned. I lived and I learned. So now we figured out our own little scheduling. We, we pretty much change our days and stuff like that. But you guys will still be able to hear us most likely, and I say most likely sparingly because I still have the one exam a week stuff but most likely every single sunday as well as our own little bits um that we recently talked about on our little update episode which if you haven't heard that you should give it a listen um so you will be able to also hear us every week no matter what on um tuesdays and thursdays on instagram twitter and tiktok and everything will be linked down below so you can look us up if you're not following us on there um but yeah so within the three weeks savannah i gotta ask What's been what what movies and shows have been keeping you warm at night, you know? Hmm. Well, um I finished Ozark. Great show. Loved it. Can't wait for season, I think it's 5 now. You really love Ozark. Like you're always like Ozark, Ozark. And I think it's cuz I haven't fully accepted like Michael Bluth is still Michael Bluth to me. I'm not ready for him to transition into right. dark it's Michael right. Bluth. You you accept it after a while. You're like, okay, this is just different. Um, I have been watching Pen Fifteen season two came out. Oh, I I'm I'm in the middle of it. It's so good, such a great comedy, super funny. Um, I haven't been really watching a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. I know it's a shame. It's 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 a very big shame. I the only thing I saw recently was the Scorsese short films. Hmm. How was that? Very good. Very worth it. Very worth the $40 I spent on it. <laughs> Everybody's got to check it out. I, I did really find every one of his films entertaining. Nice. Nice. Um, I'm trying to think what I, I, I watch a lot of YouTube because when I'm not doing schoolwork, I don't yeah. want to have to think about a lot of stuff. So I usually just watch like dumb YouTube videos and stuff like that. Um, but in terms of TV shows, so I... I kind of realized, I was like, you know, I've been watching the same stuff on YouTube for like six months now. I got to change it up. I got to get into a show or something. And I decided to give us a try out because after Zendaya won the Emmy for it, I wanted to try out uh, Euphoria. Wow. (laughs) And the thing is, I saw like two episodes of Euphoria uh, today and I finished the movie we're going to be talking about today, Fox and His Friends. Uh-huh. I have never, not to be vulgar, seen that many peni in a day. Because <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Like, your euphoria with the nudity is just off the charts. This movie, very casual. Just a little bit off. Not too extreme for this movie, but 
man, what what a day I've had. <laughs> Dude, it is it is a wild ride. When I first saw that, I was like, my literal Christian eyes. Yeah, I was thinking that because you told me you watched this, and I'm like, I'm struggling. How <laughs> did my 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 good little Christian sweetie, my little sweet piece of Anna, how could she watch this? I a lot of fast forwarding. A lot of fast forwarding, to be quite honest, especially the scene where you're talking about. Um, I did like the story and I liked the character arc for everybody. So that's kind mm-hmm. of what kept me hooked. But there was a lot of fast forwarding. I, I think I'm on episode three of it right now. But there was a part because I, I, this is not something like I would ever watch with my dad. Euphoria, because he's like the minute, like even if a, a, if a man's butt comes on the screen, he's like, nope, I'm out of the room because he just can't watch that with me. Um, but my mom is, you know, my mom is a little bit more desensitized. You know, uh-huh. she's the type of person who can watch Game of Thrones every day for the rest of her life and not even blink when the, the nudity comes up. So I was like, oh, you might, I think maybe you would like to watch it with me. And the thing is, I didn't realize I was watching the show with the door open until I hear my mom go, geez, that is a lot of sex. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Pretty much she's trying to do schoolwork. Yeah. She's a teacher. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh. <laughs> but she was pretty chill about it. She was like, wow, you were right. There is a lot of sex. I'm like, oh, sorry. Um, but I also, there was one movie I did watch um, in between everything because I just, you know, you know, like when you're just, you just get like a specific niche that you got to fill. And I was like, hmm, Dahmer mood. So I finally what? watched. <laughs> I, I finally never once said to myself, I'm in the mood for some Dahmer. It, it's a thing for me, at least, you know, like it's, it's, I've, I'm very fascinated. Like I, I, I like watching like those documentaries, like the interviews with serial killers and stuff like that. Because I just find it very fascinating. And I kept realizing, I was like, you know, there's this one film I've always wanted to see. And it was uh, My Friend Dahmer. And I was I was a little bit hesitant because I was like, it's kind of a low budget. Like, not necess- not knocking the low budget, you know. But I had just a feeling that maybe I was going to be disappointed by it. But I wasn't. It was pretty good. It wasn't the best thing ever. But I, I really was impressed by the actor, Ross Lynch who is in it. So I, I give that, especially for since it's spooky season, give it a go. I, okay, I'll check it out. I never checked it out just because Ross Lynch's Disney Channel for me. Um, you do know they're making um, a miniseries about him, right? Oh, wait, who's playing? Do you know who's playing him? I, I'll look it up because I, I did hear, I think Netflix ordered, ordered it. Um, so let me look it up because I, I, I was like, that's going to be good if they get the right person. So I just did a quick Google search, and apparently it's being done by Ryan Murphy, a guy who does, um, I believe that is the guy who does American Horror Story, right? Oh, that is, oh, yes, yes, and you know what? Oh, I, that's going to be insane then. You know what I just watched? That's another thing I watched. I watched- Oh, uh, did Nurse Ratchet? It was very good. It's very creepy. Oh, I haven't seen it. I need to get into it, because I don't know why. I thought it was going to, because normally it's re- his show, his shows are released on FX, so I was expecting to like, oh, like I'll record it and I'll just binge watch it when it's all there. But it's it, it's a Netflix original now, right? It is. And it's very American horror. Mo- like it, it's very, you could tell it's from the same person that did it. So if you like American Horror Story, you'll like that. Okay. Now, who do you think could, like, okay, if you were to cast 
Who do you think could play Dahmer? Just totally off topic, has nothing to do with the movies we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. But if you could cast Dahmer in this show, who would you cast? Off the back, off the top of my head, it's very cliche, but Evan Peters. I, I mean, he. I think also the reason why it's a little cliche is because Ryan Murphy knows how to like bring out the best of Evan Peters too. Yeah. So I think that is a solid pick. But I definitely, I was impressed by Ross Lynch. But I don't know if that's something where it's like, you want to make the kid act as Dahmer again? Because apparently Ross Lynch would actually like watch all of his interviews over and over again before filming. And it's like, okay, that's like, that was on him. No one made him do that. But, you know, that's, I I can't imagine how taxing that is on the mind and the body, you know? Also, I don't know how graphic, um the movie you watched was but if it's by ryan murphy i assume that we're gonna get like a more grim end oh more graphic. yeah no the what i liked about so because i was expecting like for my friend Dahmer for it to be extremely graphic and things like that but it actually doesn't it just really sets the tone before his first kill so we kind of see all things in his life and everything that happened and it is written by a man who was friends with Dahmer in high school because Dahmer was a jokester. He had a little friend group that kind of like idolized him because he would like be a jokester and he would pull pranks and weird stuff like that. So it's actually really weird how we can see and how he saw little pieces here and there that culminated into what Dahmer became. That's, I'm going to check it out. It definitely sounds interesting. It's on um Tubi. Oh, I like It's Tubi. on Tubi. So give, give it a check out next time we record this or next time, next episode, let us know what you think. Do your own little mini review on my friend Dahmer, will ya? All right. All right. All right. So are you ready, Savannah, to introduce our first short film of the day that we're going to be talking about? I definitely am. All right. Lay it on us. All right. So the first short film we watched was called An Acquaintance of a Lonely John. And it was actually made by Benny Safdie, the Sa- one of the Safdie brothers, mm-hmm. who also did, you guys might know him from Good Times or more recently, Uncut Gems. Mm-hmm. But it's basically a story about a lonely guy and he just kind of wanders around the city and he sees a lot of people, but they just don't want to seem to be bothered with him. And it stars Benny Safdie, <laughs> Max Albelson, Jim Bennett, Terry Clary. Uh, Stephanie, what do you think of this short film? You know, for it not having a lot of substance to it, in terms of the plot, it's literally just following, you know, this character, Lonely John, throughout the city and him doing different things throughout the day. It was a more than what I expected. I was kind of envisioning, like, when I saw, like, when I just kind of read what it was about, I was thinking of maybe, like, a... Oh, what's Jean Dillman, you know, the 23 Croix du Commerce, you know, that whole movie where it's just right. kind of like shot in real time. I was expecting that, but I actually, um, I did enjoy it for, it, it kind of had like, I don't know, like a, a, a Seinfeld type of vibe where it was like, don't, like, there's not really anything specific going on, but mm-hmm. it is a little bit funny. It is, you know, nice. I hope I'm not, not ruining any diehard fans of Seinfeld. I apologize, <laughs> uh, but um, I, I did enjoy it, and I think it was pretty cool to see already how you can see with Benny, uh, the, the Softy brothers, 
um, the influence that something like this kind of takes and transcribes into a movie like Good Time or Uncut Gems, you know? So I I really liked seeing, because this is one of their student films. Um, And by the way, this is available on the Criterion channel so that you can watch. Um, But I thought it was interesting. As someone who is a fan of the Softie Brothers, I I liked being able to see kind of like where they started when they were younger and how they evolved. What did you think, Savannah? I liked it for what it was, but to be completely honest, it seemed to be like you kind of you compared it to Seinfeld, which I think was a good comparison because it wasn't much of a story. It just was more a random sequence of events. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have felt his loneliness a little bit more. Because the thing about the character was, like, we didn't get to see how it affected him. We kind of just saw him, like, we'd see people ignore him, kind of, and he would just kind of bounce back from it. Yeah, I don't think I would. And now that you mention it, I don't think I would describe him as lonely. I think I would describe him more as, like, weird, quirky, you know, that that type of phrase. Because he had, like, a a weird right. air about him, especially after being rejected so many times in, you know, all these different situations. It wasn't necessarily he came across as lonely, just as like weird, peculiar, things like that. So I can see what you mean by that. But yeah, there's not a lot of, sus- of substance or anything. But and I don't think if you really don't know who the Softy Brothers are, I don't think you'd appreciate this nor really care for it. But if you do know who they are and if you're a fan of Uncut Gems and especially Good Time too, um, and you're just a fan of the directors, it's kind of cool to see where the, I always find it very cool to see early influences of directors you know the only one that I haven't liked so far was um 24 hours in the life of clown but that's just because <laughs> it's misogynistic <laughs> ways but uh I mean I it was it was enjoyable it was enjoyable it wasn't yeah, I didn't it was find light. it it was a light watch very light and it did have some funny elements to it like the the scene where he's in the the gas station and everything. Mm-hmm. And it, it just felt very, I really liked how he did capture, um, I don't know, like this very big city type of vibe, I'll say. Right. He really did capture it. And it did feel realistic. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel too out of, you know, it, I feel like some short films, in my opinion, can feel a little bit unrealistic because it is so short and you don't get to see a huge scope and character development but for what this is it was realistic and it was good nothing spectacular but it was good i totally agree now what do you rate this uh, seven seven out of ten yeah i i feel six and a half six and a half that, that seems good with me um all right you ready for the next one yeah i am All right, so if you are German or speak German, cover up your ears because I'm about to botch a title. The next short film is we're going to be talking about is Angst ist Silly Auf. Um, And that roughly translates to Fear Eats the Soul. Um, And you might Mm -hmm. think, oh, is this the the Rainier Werner Fassbender movie? No, no, no. This is the short film that came out in 2002 that is based off the original movie. So, but this one tells from the story of a Muslim actor's personal experience with prejudice and hate. And it is by Shabazz Noshor. And um, it is also written by him as well. And there, the woman from the original movie is in this, Bridget Mira. 
um, as well as other actors like Pierre Sanouis Bliss and Selim Dursan. Um, so, Savannah, let me ask you this. Did you ever see the original film? So I I didn't, but I looked up the synopsis for it, and I was a little confused on how it related to the film we watched, um, because I, from what I understood, it was about, um, uh, yeah, a prejudice, but also like an older a man with an older woman. Yes, it's focused. So the original film that I have not seen, but after watching the short film, I did do a lot of research. So the original short, uh, the original movie, my bad, is Ali Fear Eats the Soul. And it's about a, a, a young um, migrant worker uh, who is 20 years younger than this German woman. They have a relationship and it's completely appalling to everyone. And that was written and directed by Rainier Werner Fassbender. Um, but, and, and yet this, I, I really wonder, I couldn't find a lot of information about the short film, but I was happy to find it because I like this idea that it, it took um, a very similar, it, it took pretty much, I would say the moral of the story uh-huh. and the central theme around it, which is racism and okay. kind of reinvented it to a modern time. Um, while also paying a very respectful tribute to the original director, Rainier Werner Fassbender. Um, so on its own, without even comparing it, like with what you know about Ali fear eats the soul. What did you think of the short film Savannah? I did like it. I think the beginning I was a little bit lost, but towards the middle I did see like the merit in it and I did like the the point of view it took because you're kind of sitting in the same seat as the main character. So mm-hmm. I like that the director kind of put you in the same shoes. So I definitely I think it's powerful in that way. Um so on its own I think it's very strong. Mhm. Yeah, I, I think on its own, like I, I thought the directing and the way the film looked too. I was very surprised to see that it was like, because watching the film, I was like, oh yeah, maybe this is like mid 80s, mm-hmm. but it's actually 2002 this was filmed. So I was very surprised at oh, yeah, how it didn't look older. It, this film was made and everything. And I really did like it. And I liked how, um, and even today, because I was a little bit surprised because, you know, you and me, we live in the United States of America. And we really only know what's going on, especially now in these modern times, what's going on with the US. We don't actually hear about what's going on in, you know, other countries and stuff, aside from coronavirus related topics. Right. Um, so I was very intrigued because I really didn't, and as ignorant as it may seem, I really didn't think Europe had a race issue if that made any if that makes any sense because you know if to, to me it seems more like a huge melting pot because of the locations and everything that I really didn't think that you know racism was still an issue on their end and that's just sheer ignorance and not seeing it enough in the news and not just you know on the wrong side of Twitter I guess but I was very surprised because I actually looked up I was like oh German and racism and even this year so apparently and i could be wrong and if someone would like to correct me please feel free to do so um apparently in germany they have the n-word and it is still not considered a derogatory it's considered derogatory but it's not considered hate oh my god so you call yeah so there was actually in june a really big um there was a, a court case where the police officer who took the stand 
use the N-word. Oh, wow. That- and it, it, it is, it has the same meaning as uh, as the N-word version of the, uh, of the U.S. is. So I was very surprised, like, that even for, you know, I, I just, I didn't think that that would have still been an issue, you know? I think with all the media outlets and everything that we see and everything, you just think, oh, it's a U.S. issue. But I was very surprised. And I realized like, wow, this, a film like this really does stand the test of time in a place not only like the U.S., but in Germany too. Yeah. And I think that's what the film highlights. I think just to be very honest, the U.S. has a very, very deep stain with racism. So Mm -hmm. I think it's just only natural to think of the United States. But I think films like this are really good because we see that it's not just us. Unfortunately, Europe has that problem. I think almost everywhere might have that problem at this point or oh yeah it it really and it was just very shocking to me especially like literally within the first minute you are exposed to the language and to and it's not just like the use of the n-word it's the use of the n-word on top of these characters making fun of you know the main character in the same way someone would also make jokes about someone who is of Jewish descent, meaning, you know, there's one line in there where the guy's like, you should be put in the gas chamber, mm-hmm. which, you know, is, is just one of those things too, that you don't think like, oh, do people in Germany still have that ideology? Right. And, you know, obviously not all, not all, not all in any sense of the way, but it, it was just very, it's a very jarring film and it's done very well. And I really liked how, this the original plot with um the female and having the romantic role in the beginning now kind of having a not necessarily a little bit romantic but also having like a safety net it just kind of felt really like a prequel to the movie yeah definitely that's actually a really good way to look at it now it felt like a prequel to the movie but you doing a prequel in a way where it was actually because this whole story is um, in terms of the 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 racist acts aspect of it, is based off the director's own his own story and mm-hmm. what has happened to him. So I thought it was very powerful. And for it being only a thirteen minute short film, it was shot excellently. Yeah. And in terms of dialogue and the way things happen and stuff, I really think this uh, uh, director Shabazz he really did a, a fantastic job trying to get all these points while having a film look this good and just is overall I just was very impressed by it yeah definitely so what would you give uh this film what rating eight eight out of ten eight out of ten uh I go a little higher I'll go uh eight point eight eight point resonates with me you know all right now we're gonna get to the real meat and potatoes the main event the main event we're going to be talking about fox and his friends and as well as so um not only was acquaintance of a lonely john available on um criterion collection channel the the criterion channel uh so is onks east city elf and fox and his friends so Fox and His Friends came out in 1975, written and directed and starred by Rainier Werner Fassbender. And it is about a young West German working class man who wins the lottery and initiates a relationship with a man way above his social status. And so aside from Rainier Werner Fassbender playing Franz, we have Peter Chattel playing Eugene. 
um, Carl Heinz, Bohm. Um, we even see a few faces here and there from, um, I, I, uh, I really like his work, World on a Wire. So you do see a lot of familiar faces. And also the guy who plays Ali in Fear Eats the Soul is in this movie as well. I did notice. So, so kind of like a full scope of everything of, you know, like a, a melting pot of the people who he's worked with in his career. So, uh, Savannah, thoughts on Fox and his friends? It was, so, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. I just wasn't expecting it to be so sad. Yeah, it kind of, it goes, and and so, um, in terms of before we get into the spoilerly bits, um, would you recommend this film? I think it's a film everyone should see once, at least once. Not, not just once forever. If you want to watch more than that, that's cool. But I think it's a movie everyone should see at least once. Because there's a lot of, you know, even though the main character is gay, it's not mm-hmm. a gay story. It's This is a story every human can relate to. Because I yes. think when people see movies that are LGBTQ or anything involved in that, I think they only think it pertains to LGBTQ. But this movie is really a universal story. Um, which I really enjoyed because I felt like I could connect with the main character in a lot of ways. You know, I was kind of like, this could really happen to anybody. And this is everybody's story. Another thing I found interesting for the time, the fact that he was gay was never brought up. Like, it wasn't a big deal. You know what yeah. I mean? It was just kind of like, yeah. Like, it was never mentioned in the movie, which is a really interesting take, especially for that time period. Yeah, incredibly. I mean, well, at the time, you know, this was West Germany, so they were a little more, right. a little more okay. adventurous back in the 70s and whatnots. But yeah, I, I think one of the f- reasons why this film is so iconic in a way is because it was the first, one of the first time we were introduced to essentially an all-gay cast, for the most part, an all-gay cast with you know, centered around a gay relationship without the fact that it was a gay relationship being focused on. And I really like this because like you said, a lot of LGBTQ films um, tend to focus strictly on, you know, how people come out, how they um, deal with being gay and what others think about them being gay. And here you have this film that completely bypasses it. And it's like, no, this is normal. And it just, whether or not you have strong opinions on gay, whatever or not, it kind of makes you go, nope, this is normal. And it makes you bypasses everything, which in my opinion, I think in terms of most, not all, I think most stories that do have um, LGBTQ, and of course, this is my opinion, should be portrayed that way. Um, Because I feel like it adds more normalcy to what is actually just normal. It's totally normal to be gay. So I I really liked this director's outlook on it and even him being gay too, in reality. Him being like Rainier Werner Fassbender uh, was gay. I believe he might've been bisexual. Um, he did marry two women. So what a up life. in the air, but he never confirmed. What, what, what an icon. What a but, life. <laughs> um, but um, for the most part, he did identify, well, from what I had gathered, because I was kind of looking, he just used the umbrella term gay. Um, but to have him be so, it, 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 I, I just think it was really incredible for the time. And I really, and also it allows us to focus on a great story that this was. It really is such a fantastic, well-written story. 
Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where I was, I was saying, I was kind of like, we get to focus in on the person that he is. Kind of like what you said, most LGBTQ films is a, like a hero's journey in a way. Yes. And, mm-hmm. you know, I got to see this character for who he is. And, you know, I'm not saying that it, it I, I'm not saying those things should be hidden ever, but. No, and, and a good hero's journey is always still good, but yeah. that doesn't mean that every LGBTQ film has to be a hero's story. You know, it can, it can be something like this where it's entirely LGBTQ, but it kind of shifts from away from the hero story genre that has become very big in that category, in my opinion. We just need more films that fo- focus in on the person. I think just like every other movie, character development is so important. And I think that's what this film gives us. It doesn't mm-hmm. just give us, you know, like he doesn't focus on the fact that, hey, like, look, I'm gay and all the people are gay. And that's why we should celebrate this movie. It goes, no, this is this person. This is a struggle. Who happens to be gay? Yeah. And I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome that he decided to take that uh Take that, what am I trying to say? Take that route with the film. Take that uh, route with the film. It allows you, like I said, it allows you to connect with the character a lot more. I connected with this character a lot because at the end of the day, I'll get into some spoils here. We Mm -hmm. all know what it's like to be taken advantage of. Yeah. No matter who it's from. And I think the director did a good job at making the character so universal that we could all be like, oh, I feel him. Mm-hmm. I get you there. So, yeah. Absolutely. I I entirely agree. Um, I also, there's just something about Fassbender films that I just love visually. I don't know if it's, he uses a specific type of filter on his cameras, but if you notice both Fox and his friends and World on a Wire and all his, and most of his films have a very specific look to it. Not necessarily like, um, in terms of sets or in terms of clothes and stuff, but they just have a specific look that you can easily go, oh yeah, this is Fassbender. And mm-hmm. that I really like. Because you have something like this where it's more, for that time, modern. Whereas if you look at something like World on a Wire, it's it has a completely futuristic feel. But you can still identify it as a Fassbender classic. Um, I also really like the fact that Fassbender wanted to play this character so much. He had always been, and for majority of his life, been a very, very overweight man. Aww. And he completely, like, lost the weight and everything to play the role, which I think is really, really cool on his part um, to want to do that for his own movie, you know? Yeah. I, I think that's just really just shows how much this film meant to him, that he would go through. I, I think, man, I, I definitely think he lost... At least 40 pounds. I could be wrong. But if you see differences before filming and after, it really is like, or before and during, it's a stark difference. Mm -hmm. So I I find that very impressing. Um, And I also, I really liked how natural the acting was. How very, like, even with you had the the actor, um, oh man, I forgot his name, but um, Eugene. You have Eugene, who is supposed to be this very bourgeois type. And it was played very well because at the end of the day, it was super realistic. It wasn't like, oh, I'm here and with daddy's money. And it wasn't like too overdone. Like he 
played the part of the social classes, like everyone played the part of the so different social classes that they were trying to act on, on a realistic level, in my opinion. What did you think about that? I thought so too. I thought the movie, I almost felt like everything you were seeing was very real. There wasn't a point where I was just like, oh yeah, like there were some points where I was just like, wow, this is really good acting. This is really mm -hmm. good. Um, you know, just the actors were really good. And I really like the set design. I like all the costumes. I think. Oh, the iconic jacket. I want that denim jacket where I just knew this you were fox say and that. it studded. <laughs> I loved it. Immediately after the movie ended, I looked up and see if I could like find like a knockoff version of the jacket, but I'll probably just make my own. But I love that. Like he's, he just has such a cool style. I love the the costume that the the outfits that he chose for Fox to wear. I thought that was brilliant. Um, and I just it's overall just a very like easy on the eye kind of film, you know? Mm, for sure. Um, but yeah, I thought it was all just very, very realistic. Um, and I liked all the characters. I feel like all the characters had a very interesting roles to play in the movies you know how some characters in, in movies just are there you know yeah I didn't feel like that with this movie I felt like almost every character had a role which is yeah and really I, I I agree in terms of like especially even the role of played by um is it Barbara Fallon? I can't remember. But it was the sister. Yeah. The sister. And like she easily could have been a type of character that could have been like oh, the stereotypic voice of reason. But instead, they actually gave more depth to her character and actually made her a very good part, a, a very good um, section of this entire storyline and everything. So everyone feels like they belong in the story. It doesn't feel like anyone is out of place. Um, there are some weird moments, like, can we just talk about the, the guy who's, when he's in the gay bar? Well, two things we got to talk about in that gay bar scene. One, the American accent. What was that? <laughs> they were definitely making fun of us. That was the oh only thing I could think God. of. They were definitely making fun of us. Oh my God. Just the American accents that they have. I was like, who did the voice work for them? Holy crap. It was just so like the most stereotypic. I've never heard of a more stereotypic like American accent than how they spoke. Um, and I also just think it was funny that how like, Fastbender just continued to talk to them in German and they were like oh yeah we know and they yeah. just <laughs> in English I was like oh, yeah. okay um but then in that bar scene there's the guy who's like oh like it like pretty much like degrading um Fastbender's character and then Fastbender just slaps him across the face yeah. this man starts crying and is like policia policia <laughs> it's like what like I thought it's that was men really weird but I also I did like it it added it was cheesy the way it was done but memorable that's for sure it gave you a few laughs before you mm -hmm. cried <laughs> yeah and I think also um what made me realize I always said I liked Fassbender as a director but this really I hadn't seen him in any of his movies before where he acted so I was really impressed with his acting he really normally directors who put themselves in the actor position, it, it can be very hit or miss, you know, because it is extremely tough to keep going from in front of the camera to behind the camera. And you're just continually switching on and off, you know? So I was very impressed with not only how well like he handled it all, but 
how well of a like he's a very good actor I, yeah. and I don't think he gets praised enough for it very realistic very very it, he gives me like a like German Elaine DeLong vibes very cool with things very like hey it ain't no big deal type of thing mm-hmm. and I really like that persona he gave to Fox yeah and I think he had a very it paid off especially towards the end because the whole time he played this really cool collective character and at the end we sort of see a change Mm -hmm. which I I really liked and I think he did the character really well for sure yeah and I think one of the like I think this film it does have its faults I think it is slow Fassbender typically has slower films especially with the lack of music it can feel like there is a drag but I will say I don't think I've ever seen a movie before center on the topic of being used to a universal degree, you know? Like, I really thought that this type of, I don't want to say genre, but category of, you know, being used and being mistreated in a way like this, I don't ever recall seeing a film that kind of focused on that. Have you? Not that I can think of, and that's why I actually really like the movie. Because, Like I said before, everybody knows what it's like to be taken advantage of. And I think mm-hmm. this movie, you just have a heart the whole time. You're like, Foxy, no, don't, don't do that. Don't sign that. Um, mm-hmm. I guess for context, he Fox ends up winning the lottery and basically gets taken advantage of by Eugene. Eugene, I his, like that. His boyfriend. Yeah, kind of, right? Like some, his, his, Yeah, like the, his little lover, his little, you know, little rich boy lover. Yeah. And... It, it just seems like the reason you have a heart for this character is because not only is Fox just seems like he wants to be with somebody, it just seems like he needs companionship. And I think yeah. at the end of the day, that's why he does all those bad mistakes and gives Eugene money for a company and, you know, and, and we all can sit there and be like, yeah, he's, that's not the smartest thing to do. But at the same time, like, we get it. We, we actually understand. And I do like this this kind of consistency in the coolness that Fox has before he wins the lottery and after. Even And also, I just like the way he was introduced, where it was like the circus, and then he comes out and he goes, bye, lover, as he's been, he's going to prison for tax fraud or something. It was something very like dramatic. That. It was a very dramatic and beginning. It was, but I really liked how it wasn't necessarily, I really, it's just I, this I, this idea that the fact that Fox stayed the same, but everything around him changed, you know? Yeah. Like his whole scenery, the oh, crowds he was with. Good, that's such a good insight. He stayed consistent throughout the entire, until the end of the film. And, but he still did like everything around him changed from his, uh, you know, and I just, I really appreciate that because like, let's look at a film like Purple Noon, for example, where you have a, a, a smaller, and I'm not trying to be rude or degrading, I'm just trying to speak facts here, a small, uh, like a lower class person taking advantage of someone who is higher class. Whereas here in this film, you have a lower class of person who is now just gets an influx of money, but is still the same class. He doesn't change. His clothes don't change. The only thing that really changes is that he really gets um he gets a new apartment. But nothing else about him change and yet everyone still 
lunges at him and goes for him and tries to get him for the money. Meanwhile, they already have money themselves. Like I, right. I, I just like the this relationship of how now you have kind of the rich taking advantage of the poor. And I, I do like this this view he gives us on society, kind of how the money really destroyed people. Yeah, and it wasn't necessarily the people who had it. It destroyed the people who wanted it. Yeah. And sadly, you had um, Fox just kind of fall into victim of that. He wasn't necessarily affected by it directly, but still indirectly, he got kind of like the butt end of the stick, I'll say. Um, Which I I just think it's a incredibly well-written film. Yeah, I agree. I think the commentary about, like I said, society and human nature, it, it's a rough view for sure. Mm-hmm. It's it's very sad. Not a happy one, that's for sure. So yeah, we'll get let's get to the end, I guess. He ends up killing himself. Yeah. And I I thought it was incredibly brilliant how even dead people were still trying to take advantage of him. The end, it really ends where the kid, these two kids in the subway station, I believe it's a subway station, um, they, um, or a train station, whatever yeah, it yeah. be, uh, they literally see his body, they immediately just start looting him, and then they start running away when they see Eugene and his father there, and they're like, uh-oh, and then they just kind of turn around and leave, and they're like, oh, we gotta go, we don't want to be involved in this. And then the kids come back and they just still take whatever is off of him, you know, money-wise, watches, things and stuff like that. And it really is like how debt shows, like how desperate people can be at, you know, in, in all aspects. I think you said it best. It's a very, it's bleak, but it's also necessary in a way. Like you said, there's not a lot of people making movies about being taken advantage of Mm -hmm. and that dark side of human nature in terms yeah especially in in this way where you have a man who was content before the money i mean aside from his boyfriend being arrested and whatnot he was still like content and just this transformation of how everyone around him changed and he stayed the same and how his downfall was due to others and not necessarily him is something that you hardly, and I don't think you've ever seen before in a movie. Um, so I, and this is, I think what makes Fassbender a genius. And I really do praise Fassbender, not only for his style, but for his writing and acting as well. I mean, Jesus Christ, the man could do it all. So I really, really like this. And I hope, and I'm just putting this out there in the universe I like Fastbender. If anyone wants me to direct um, a Fastbender biopic, give me a call. I just need two things. I need a crew and I need Jeremy Renner to star in it because for the love of God, I could not stop thinking about how much skinny Fastbender looked like <laughs> Jeremy Renner. He did. Also, you need that jacket. Those are the terms. Oh, that it, I get the jacket. I get the jacket. Yes, for sure. Me and Jeremy Renner get matching jackets. <laughs> um, what do you? I'm admit? putting that into the universe. Oh, um, score. 
Yo, you go first. You go first. Because I want to give it higher score, but I don't know how high. Oh, you know? okay. You're going to be disappointed by my score. <gasps> Are you going to give it like a six? No, no. Okay. I wouldn't. I, I, I'm thinking like 7.8. No, okay, okay. Because I was deciding between like seven and a half to nine. Because I don't know. Because uh, I'm like, yeah, you know. Because I really do. Because the one thing I would say that pr- would prevent me from going over a nine is the pace of the film oh um, slow burn it's a slow burn but it was worth it so you know i also rate on rewatchability that is true i couldn't so, watch this movie again just because it's it is sad and i i think one time is enough for me i think i'll give it an eight oh. just because world on a wire i would give a nine in terms of if we're if i'm comparing out of all of fassbender stuff i would definitely rank world on a wire which i can't wait to talk about um higher did you ever see world on a wire i haven't so i don't know what you're talking <gasps> about <laughs> oh my god it's i love it i love it to death it's one of my favorite movies all right we gotta watch it we will we it's a must now um but yeah so there you go 8.0 and a what 7.8 7.8 very good scores very good scores um so what are we talking about next time? What's on the schedule? What, what do we think we're going to do? I don't so know. It, so it's, it's, it's the month of, you know, spooky season and whatnot. So I wanted to start, change it up a bit. And um, if you haven't already in our last uh, podcast, we mentioned giving us some suggestions and everything. If you didn't listen to it, well, if you see know any horror movies or any spooky drama, suspenseful films that um, you love and that you would like us to review, put it down because I definitely want to go with the season. It's spooky season and it's, we just got to do what's right. Um, the next thing that we actually have lined up for now is part one and two of the 47 Ronin. Oh. But... On the last podcast, I did mention, and you were pretty diggity down with it, of doing a comparison between House and the newer animation film, Monster House. Because what a what an episode that would be, you know? It would be great. I think we should do that. I also wanted to do The Night of the Living Dead. Ooh. Which is on the Criterion channel. Okay, hold on, hold on. We'll do night of. I kind of want to do because we're gonna get into like our like house is a criterion and things like that. Would you be down to watch Reanimator? Yeah, you've talked about that movie for so long. I'm definitely. I've talked down. about it for so long. It's just one of those little cult classics that I like, you know. Um, so we'll talk about that. And then, is there any like newer? horror film you wanted to? Oh, let the right one in. Yep, we'll let the, the right one, one decided. in. Okay, so I will, um, so I, I, I can't do my little outro where I'm like, tune in next time and we'll talk about this because we don't know yet, but it will be announced on our Instagram and on Twitter, it's you know, you know, the deal. Said. It's one of them. Yeah, it's one of those things. Um, but all right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Wait, um, wait, whoa, what? what? We gotta thank homeboy James. Oh my I should be chastised right now <laughs> for what I have done. We gotta thank homeboy James it's been so once long, again. But it's okay. Like if you do not know, if you're like, who the hell is homeboy James? Homeboy James is our one of our Patreons, <clears throat> our only. <laughs> and if you would like to change that, and we only need him, 
we only need him. But if you would like to change that, and if you would like a shout out, definitely check out our Patreon link below, as well as links to other things. And uh, it is spooky season. So not only could you help us out with Patreon, but I wrote a super spooky short uh, story yeah. a few months back. And all the proceeds for that actually do go help to pay for, you know, membership costs and, you know, fees and whatnots, everything that it pretty much takes to run Purple Noon. So you could totally get that out. And it's like, I think it's like $2.65. Yeah, and it's nothing. It's less than coffee. It is, it, it's less than coffee. Starbucks is overcharging you guys. I'm giving you, <laughs> I'm giving you culture and I'm giving you content for $2.65. And what are you getting? A poorly tasted pumpkin spice? Think of where your money is going, people. <laughs> I can't believe I just did that. You just made but a case. You just made a case. I really just made a case. You know, I actually convinced like three students in my class. I really got to be a salesman. I don't know why it's not working on Purple Loon, but I convinced three students in my class to go out and buy iPad Pros. I, but guys, listen to me. I know what I'm talking no, about listen, here. I I'm, three I'm, people to just unload cash. I'm just going to say the best person you could go to if you're looking to spend money, is Stephanie. I've always said that. Every time <laughs> I'm with Stephanie, I spend money because you convinced me to buy something. And I think I need it. And you know what? You I, do. I do need it, even if it's something That's ridiculous. It's not a scam if I'm just showing you truth that you never thought existed. You know what? Wow. <laughs> Didn't think of it that way. You know, this is really the point where this is the hour where the matcha takes over my brain because I just finished having a matcha tea. But (laughs) at the end of the day, look if you wanna, if you want a little shout out, if you want a little shout out, check out our Patreon. If you want to be an official, excuse me. I said check it out. Oh God, I thought you were saying no. I was like, (laughs) what did I do? Um, But check it out, Um, and also check out my little spooky short story. Uh, Leave a comment. Tell me you love it. Tell me you hate it. I don't care. I'm good. Um, And yeah, and please be sure to check out every week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Savannah has her own little show called The Good, The Bad, and The Unboxing. And I, on Thursdays, have my own little show called Writer on the Score. Um, So two points, two imaginary points, if you can guess where that inspiration is from. Um, But thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll see you next time with some type of spooky film. Bye. Bye. Bye.